You're listening to the Vineyard Milwaukee podcast. For more information about Vineyard Milwaukee Church, visit vineyardmilwaukee.com. Now here's this week's message. Hey, Vineyard Milwaukee. Today we're going to continue our series titled Overwhelmed. I know some of you are feeling overwhelmed. And specifically, some of you are feeling sad or, or even depressed right now. And we want to invite you into a conversation uh, that I had with Joanna Love, who happens to come to our church. And uh, we're going to sort of spend some time uh, listening in on that conversation. And then I'm going to follow up after and just sort of conclude our message today. So enjoy this conversation uh, with Joanna Love and myself. So I'm really excited about this conversation. Uh, we have uh, Joanna Love here and Joanna, you've been coming to our church for a while, and I think a lot of people know who you are, but I'm not sure a lot of people know what you do. So can you give us a little bit of uh, uh, just background of, of, of what you do for a living? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I am a licensed psychologist in Wisconsin. Uh, right now, I basically provide psychotherapy. I work with um, primarily adults right now, but I have worked with kids and adults of all ages, Um, my areas of specialty that I have researched quite a bit is actually trauma or how toxic stress affects the brain and body and how it can affect us in early childhood and throughout the lifespan, uh, and specifically what we can do about that to heal. Awesome. Uh, Well, then you're the right person that we should be talking to today. Because so today we're talking about like sadness and depression and what, how to, how to like deal with that. And so I think oftentimes we maybe get confused of what sadness is and what depression is and, and how are they similar? How are they different? And um, so can you maybe give us a little idea of, of what's the difference between sadness and depression? Yeah. Well, even the um, American Psychiatric Association says in our Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders that sadness, periods of sadness, are inherent aspects of the human experience. So to feel sad and to even feel sad for a period of time is not something that would be considered pathological and is actually a really important part of uh, a full range of human experience. Mm. That's really good. Actually. Like, I think it's important that you said that, like, so you're saying sadness is not only normal, but actually really important to actually process through as a human being. Well, right. And what I have found is that, Our capacity for sadness is often equal to our capacity for joy. So if we consistently don't feel sadness or suppress those feelings um, or avoid or ignore, what also happens is we can end up um, getting more blunted. All of our emotions, including joy, excitement, anticipation of good things, all of those feelings become more flat as well. Interesting. So so tell me then, how does that differ from being depressed. How's that different? Well, from a therapist's perspective, we're looking at how long it's happening, how severe it is, um, a duration. So, you know, with sadness, that can be periods that kind of come and go. With depression, we're looking at most of the day, most days for at least two weeks or more. Um, Someone might have a really low mood for most of the day, or uh, might be looking at more like nothing feels good anymore. I don't enjoy the things I used to enjoy. Uh, Nothing is interesting or exciting or fun for me anymore. Um, And for some people, some of these things might show up more as like irritability 
or mm -hmm. agitation. Uh, and with depression, that's kind of characterized by this really like a lack, lack of hope and an inability to anticipate good feelings coming. So yeah. it's hard to feel like I could feel good again one day. Mm. So like a depression is where you can maybe get like totally stuck and just cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like it's just the absence of hope for longer periods of time. Yeah. Is that what I'm hearing? And it shows up in a lot of ways where it gets in the way of our ability to function in relationships. So we might be withdrawing from people that are important to us or really isolating ourselves. Um, it can get in the way of our functioning at like school or work where I can't concentrate as well. I'm distracted or um, in just like our daily living, like I can't sleep or I'm sleeping too much. Mm. Um, la lack of energy. Uh, I'm like fatigued all the time, even when I do sleep. So it shows up in lots of different ways that um, makes it harder to function. Or for a lot of people, they're functioning just fine on the outside, but on the inside, they're experiencing quite a bit mm. of distress. So you could, as someone who's depressed, they could go through a normal work day and people would think that, hey, this person's all right, you know, but at home, it could be a totally different story. Yeah, I think that's a lot more common than we realize because, you know, there's a, there's a term called like high functioning depression. And I don't really like that because for me, if you're experiencing that level of distress all of the time on the inside, like it is great that you are functioning in areas of life like having a job. Like, that's awesome. But no one should have to feel that kind of distress all of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it definitely doesn't speak to that holistic view of, like, who you are, essentially, your identity, right? Like, it's like I'm putting this aside and now, I'm, now I'm, this is who I really am that I'm, you know, isolating from everybody else. Which is interesting you say isolate because, you know, we're in this sort of – we're in this COVID-19 period where we all are doing some form of isolation. Yeah. Whether we're completely alone or whether we're, we're you know, hunkering down with family or roommates. Um, uh, talk to me about how you see people right now who are, you know, that, that, are, that are depressed. Like how, are, are, are you seeing anything necessarily different? Uh, is things more heightened? Um, what, do you, what do you sort of gauge during this time that we're in? Yeah. Well, and I think having a difficulty adjusting to this really unique circumstance like this huge international crisis you know can look a number of different ways and really like depression really is a, a stress response um we all have different stress responses that we've, we've kind of like picked up throughout our life um that's an integration of biological pieces genetic pieces our early experiences our, our lived experiences throughout our lives so we all have tendencies and the ways that we respond in crisis or in stress is, is tends to look, you know, we tend to have patterns, things we fall mm. into. And for, for some folks, you know, falling into depression can be a, a kind of stress response. Um, and so that you might see people who um, weren't necessarily depressed and now they're experiencing depression. Well, and frankly, like without all of the resources available, like community, the ability to see people, um, the ability to go to work, all of those things are really protective, healthy, you know, good resources that we have. Without that, uh, I think it, 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 we might be seeing more depression during this season. Mm. Um, that would be kind of expected for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, when, you say, when you say that way, that says stress response. 
it, it makes sense that a lot of people right now are stressed out. There's, there's this unknown, there's, um, you know, not, not sure where things are economically, uh, not sure if, you know, if I'm gonna have a job, worried about loved ones, um, worried about themselves. So I can, I could totally see where that could, if, if that's sort of a stress, a stress caused or stress induced thing is that, that, that they move into this period of depression. So, um, what, what are some things out there uh, for people to actually like move through this um, sort of an application way? Like, like how can we, if, if I'm watching this video right now and I'm feeling some of these things and I, I feel like I, out of stress, I am moving towards uh, where my sadness is becoming debilitating for me. Um, and I'm starting to recognize that. And maybe some people in, that I'm living with, are starting to recognize that that this is overcoming me. Um, what are what are some things that people can do during this time? Yeah, well, and you know, one thing that I think is important to talk about too is just that experiencing sadness, like you said, does not necessarily mean I'm depressed. Right. And I think you know there are whole groups of people who have been taught, conditioned, socialized to not experience or express feelings of sadness. You know, in traditionally and kind of culturally, groups of people that I've seen this most common in are men, Christians, and Midwesterners, Midwestern European Americans. Mm -hmm. We're like, there's like whole groups of people that are taught not to experience or express that. Just put put the walls up, and we don't let you anywhere in, right? Yeah. 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 You know, and like, and in the church that can sometimes be like paired with scripture that makes it seem like sadness or even depression might feel like a lack of faith or kind of sinful or um, a weakness. Um, And, uh, you know, I would really like to demystify that idea that, you know, sadness is a really normal human experience and a good human experience um, because because it is holistic. Um, So so the importance of being like really vulnerable and being able to, to like really share like this is where I'm at. And, um, and having a safe place to do that, right. um, which church should be a safe, a safe place to do that. Your church community should be a safe place where you can actually talk that out. Right. And that, that it is normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I love, I love hearing that, uh, from the church. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So it, you know, I think when experiencing sadness, you know, that the most important things that one can do to like deal and cope is first of all to like experience it you like you have to experience it like label it identify it i am feeling sad um let yourself be okay to sit with that Uh, most emotions don't last forever um they they do kind of pass through when we cope with them and the way that we think about it and the way that we experience it does help it to pass or to or we can like ruminate or think or like worry and get stuck in some emotions. But um, when we suppress or when we don't let ourselves experience, that's when I think we actually are more likely to become depressed mm-hmm. um, because we're denying that a genuine experience. Um, and, and so like really like we also have to express. Uh, I recommend crying as like a really helpful way to express your feelings. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's almost like it's almost like going through like a lament process, yeah. you know. It's like it's like it's okay, you know. And I, I've been 
I've been, you know, looking at a lot of my pastor friends during this time. I'm like, what are you doing? You know, kind of, you know, I'm lamenting. Like, I'm like, it's, I'm going through grief. I'm lamenting. I'm, I'm, it's okay to like sit and mourn right. and cry. Um, and, and even, and, and to do that in the presence of God, yeah. like can be a really, really powerful thing. Like it's okay to sit in that with him. Like he, he, he experiences that, that, that sadness, that, that darkness with you, like he's in it, you know what I mean? Um, and I think it's, I think it is important to do that. So that's, it's great that you say that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, other ways of expression, um, talking, you know, with, like is really helpful because that relational piece is a very important part of, of healing. Um, and you know, if you're alone, journaling, writing can be really helpful because it, you know, puts things from outside of you and kind of gets it out. Art is another really excellent way to express feelings. Yeah. For me, that that's a huge one for me. I'm not, I'm not an artist, but there's something about that engagement in, uh, just in the activity of it, of it helps me process through some of the sadness, some of the pain, some of the stuff I'm dealing with it. And, and it really is, uh, it's life giving. It really is. It's good. So, yeah. so talking, uh, experiencing it, uh, art, what else? Anything else? Well, yeah. So we, we were talking a little bit too about, um, you know, just other ways of healing. I think about us really holistically, the human, is a very holistic being. There's not a really mind-body separation. It's mm. it's all kind of one. And, you know, I think most other cultures historically have not viewed the mind and body quite so separately as I think Western, you know, modern Western cultures do, um, have started to view us that way. So, like, for me, when I think about healing, I, I like to think um, kind of, like, multidirectional. So I, I'm borrowing in part from... Bessel van der Kolk in his work on, in his book, The Body Keeps the Score, talks a lot about the integration of the mind and body Mm -hmm. uh, in healing trauma. Um, And so I think through kind of four approaches that I always like to integrate in my work and in my own healing practices as well. So when we think top down, we're talking about how the, our thoughts, the brain affects the body and affects our, our mood essentially. And so that's things like anytime we're using our thinking brain, that's things like talking. Uh, Talk therapy is really effective for this reason. Um, Things like understanding our own thoughts and beliefs, making meaning out of things. Um, I think faith walking does a really good job of using this kind of approach, this top-down, making meaning, understanding, uh, focusing on what our thoughts and beliefs look like. Right. Have an effect on the mood. Right. but then I also like to think about uh, bottom-up approaches where we're talking about how does, what are the things we do with our bodies? How do um, like body-based approaches help us heal? And there's tons of recent neuro, neuropsych, uh, neurological research that looks at the connection from how, um, how, how stress interacts with our body and it changes our bodies. That's why totally. for a lot of people, you won't even see depression necessarily manifest as like mood you'll see um physical complaints so (laughs) sleep disturbance gi problems migraine headaches um for a lot of people it shows up in the body yeah yeah it's almost like it's almost like it shows up in our behaviors and our actions first right like you like 
sadness, you all of a sudden you're at the bottom of the ice cream container and you're scraping the bottom and you're going, what's going on with me right now? Like, I don't know, but I have to keep eating this ice cream. And so it's like a physical activity that I think like, and, but really in, internally, like mm -hmm. it's that depression that's, that's totally hit me. That empty stress. Right. And I'm not, see, I see the action before I actually look inside of what's going on, you know? Right. Right. So the things that heal the body, that heal the mind through the body, you know, anything rhythmic is really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, so for some people, that's like knitting or like coloring or like walking. Yeah. Uh, beauty, music and art are really powerful. Singing and laughter are really powerful. Good touch, you know, hugs, massage can be really helpful or like body-based therapies like acupuncture. All of those things are really helpful at healing the body's stress responses. Yeah. The negative things, bad memories, hard experiences that we've had. Yeah. So, almost, and even, would you say even like just a, just a routine, a daily routine? Yes. Like, like building that in, yeah. like well, these are the things that, that really help me. Yeah. And so I'm going to build them in my routine. I know that when we first hit uh, this COVID-19, like I, all routines were gone. Right. And like you're, living in your sweatpants and just nonstop eating because I don't know what else to do, you know, and, and, and the routine was gone. And I, what I found is with our family, like without sort of some, some type of rhythm, mm -hmm. we all hit kind of like a low, like it was like, what a, like a, like this blob just sitting around and, and just the, I, I just can't it's just that there was just a, a mood in the room it's just like everyone was on edge and not feeling great and just but and, and then we started making changes we started putting another schedule and starting to put together walks and and you know uh the, who's gonna do what and when and like those kind of things so building a sort of rhythm really helped us get out of this sort of funk you know um uh so that's real i think that's really helpful and then putting those things that actually feed us, you know, that give us hope, that give us joy. You mentioned like art and, and, you know, uh, just different activities that really give us that joy and, and yeah. incorporating them in that rhythm, I think is really important. That's yeah. yeah, good. Sweet. Well, Hey, yeah. th th thanks for sharing this. This is really, really helpful stuff. And, uh, uh, I'm re I'm really glad that we got to do this conversation and, and you to be part of this. Um, yeah, cool. I hope that was helpful. I, I know it was for me. But before we close today, I just wanted to share that, you know, there there are examples in the Bible of people who just really suffered through horrible depression. Um, David, for example, uh, he wrote this book called The Psalms that's just filled with like, anguish and loneliness and fear of the enemy his heart like would cry out over his sin and and this guilt of the struggle because of it elijah was another one who was like so discouraged and weary and afraid after like great spiritual victories over prophets of baal this mighty man of god like he ran he, like he was he, he took off he was he ran as far away from his threats and and there he sat in the desert prayed defeated and worn out. And he says, I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am not better than my ancestors. Jonah was like angry and down. He wanted to run away. Like after God had called Jonah 
to Nineveh to preach to the people. Like he like ran as far as he could. And after a storm at sea, being swallowed by a giant fish, and then being saved and given a second chance, he obeyed. He preached God's message to the people of Nineveh. God's mercy reached out to all the people who turned to him. But instead of rejoicing, Jonah got upset. Like, now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. And even after God reached out to Jonah again with great compassion, he responded, I'm angry enough to die. Job. Job suffered through great losses, devastation, and even physical illness. This righteous of God, this man of God, like literally lost everything. Even, even, his, even his own wife said, why are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job, he maintained his faithfulness to God throughout his life. He still struggled deeply through the trenches of pain. Why did I not perish at birth, he said, and die as I come from the womb? I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest but my own turmoil. Moses, he was grieved over his sin of his people. In his like feelings of anger and betrayal from his own people, Moses as a leader was about ready to quit. Like he came down from his mountaintop experience with God, commandments in his hand only to find the Israelites in complete chaos and sin. His cry to God on their behalf was desperate. But now please forgive their sins. But if not, then blot me out of this book you have written. Jeremiah, he, he wrestled with great loneliness, feelings of defeat, insecurity. He was known as the weeping prophet. Jeremiah suffered from constant rejection by the people that he loved and reached out to. God had called him to preach, yet forbid him to marry and have children. So he like lived alone. He ministered alone. He was poor, ridiculed. He was rejected by his own people. But in the midst of it, he displayed great spiritual faith and strength. And yet, we also see his honesty as he wrestled with his despair and a great sense of failure. Even Jesus himself was deeply anguished over what lay before him. He knew that was to come. He knew that God had called him to a journey of great suffering. He knew what must happen in order for us to live truly free. Our Savior and Lord was willing to pay the price on our behalf, but it wasn't an easy road. We can be assured that in whatever we face, Jesus understands. He understands our weakness and our suffering, our greatest times of temptation and despair, because he too traveled that road, yet without sin. In the garden, through the night, Jesus prayed all alone, calling out his Father, to his father, asking him for another way. He says this in Mark 14, verse 34 through 36. He says, And my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And he went a little beyond them and fell to the ground and began to pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass him by. And he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. The Bible says that so great was his anguish that he like sweat drops of blood. 
What's true about all of these stories is this, that God was with them. He was close. He's near. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. He was there in the good days. He's there in the dark days too. He didn't condemn them or question them of their pain. He didn't tell them to, you know, you need to tough it out. Just pull your bootstraps up and go. He reached down to the deepest pit of suffering and he lifts them out. He cares. He shows compassion. He offered mercy. He brought hope. He instilled purpose. He gave victory. He doesn't say squash it. He doesn't say stuff it. He doesn't say bury it in a hole. He actually is there with you and he's sitting with you in it. And he's saying, I'm here for you. And that's what he told all of those people that I just read about in the Bible. And he's still working the same way today. Only our world desperately needs joy givers and hope bringers. Those in our lives who will help us remember the real grace is where the lasting help is found. So it's important for us to speak out where we are. It's important for us to tell others about our sadness and our lows and to not be ashamed of that. It's important for us to then receive how Jesus uh, continues to give us grace and mercy and hope. He is a healer. He is a redeemer. He's a restorer and he's a friend. And he will never waste a season of suffering that we face. He'll use it in some way to bring good, to instill purpose, to help others, and to make us strong. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you that you're a God that loves us deeply, that sees beyond the pain, that enters into it with us and pulls us out. We pray more uh, of, of your hope and your love in our life. And help us to be vulnerable people. Help us to be people that, uh, that share who we are and what we're going through. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Take care, everybody in Milwaukee. Be the church.